You'll ever be queen? No, I don't. No. Why do you think that? I'd like to be a queen of people's hearts, in people's hearts. But I don't see myself being queen of this country. I don't think many people would want me to be queen. Actually, when I say many people, I mean the establishment that I'm married into. Because they've decided that I'm a non-starter. Why do you think they've decided that? Because I do things differently. Because I don't go by a rule book. Because I lead from the heart, not the head. And albeit that's got me into trouble in my work, I understand that. But someone's got to go out there and love people and show it. And do you think that because of the way you behave, that's precluded you effectively from becoming queen? Yes, I well, not precluded me. I wouldn't say that. Um, I just don't think I have as many supporters in that environment than I did. Than I did. Yeah. You mean within the royal household? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They see me as a, a threat of some kind. And I'm here to do good. Not a dis I'm not a destructive person. Why do they see you as a threat? I think every strong woman in history has had to walk down a similar path. And I think it's the strength that causes the confusion and the fear. Why is she strong? Where does she get it from? Where is she taking it? Where is she going to use it? Why do the public still support her? When I say public, you go in and do an engagement and there's a great many people there. Welcome to the Bad and Bitchy Podcast. I'm Erin. And I'm Erica. And Erica, I have several things to say to you. One, um, happy Women's History Month. Yay! Uh, and two, happy four-year anniversary of Bad and Bitchy. Yay! <laughs> we made it. Bitches, we made it. <laughs> We've come so far. We've grown up so much. Yeah, and it's also our 100th episode. Mm -hmm. um, so a lot of <laughs> interesting things. Uh, yeah, and it is currently, I don't know if it's currently, but it was 17 degrees here in Calgary. Not minus 17, like plus 17. Yeah, in, in Ottawa tonight, it's supposed to get down to like minus 20 or something. What? <laughs> I, I think, it, no, I think it's like the last, the last stand of like the really cold weather. Um, yeah, current real feel right now is minus, like with the wind chill is minus 18 and it is 7.30 p.m. It's because it's very, very windy. What are, do you have any favorite stories or favorite topics that we covered over the last four years that you are like, damn, yeah, I remember that. Or, you know what, we were one of the few people to, or a few sort of outlets, media outlets to talk about this or something we, hmm. okay, I will start you off. That's a really good question. I will start you off. Cause I got one. Um, I would say one of our greatest sort of um, community, we did two really important community-based projects. Mm -hmm. um, one was, um, um, is it Orders Up? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Whew. <laughs> I'm like, shit. <laughs> <laughs> 
Mm-hmm. Um, orders up and where we actually, you know, facilitated some workshops and had a whole campaign around sexual harassment in the restaurant industry. Mm-hmm. So Aaron has a nice little Ottawa um, citizen article mm-hmm. where she looks like a badass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I think that that campaign also kind of was it was in partnership with the Ottawa Coalition to End Violence Against Women, and they had uh, a grant or something for some funding for that. And so we did a few um, public service announcements with that too. Exactly. And mm-hmm. as we can see from the military, it's a huge, it's still a huge issue. And the second yeah. one, <laughs> I'm just going to fly over that because most likely we'll cover it later. Anyway, um, the second one was um, Tuboku. And oh, yeah. The restaurant that was opening um, in a traditional in Chinatown and with uh, within a community of Vietnamese um, mm-hmm. refugees that had historically settled there mm-hmm. and using that full metal jacket reference of misogyny and racism uh, was really, it was really, I mean, one can say it's tone deaf, fine. I will give them that. Yeah. But it's when people started saying, this you may want to rethink this and then they got defensive and then they did the white woman thing but eventually they changed the name to corner peach until Mm -hmm. this day i will never set foot i will not set foot in that restaurant yeah i thought it's i think it's one thing to hear some criticism from like a few people but then once it reached a critical mass i think you know they were more inclined to I don't know necessarily see the light, but like be more amenable and open to change. Yeah. Um, because if it's just a couple people or a handful, then you really don't know what the broader, the broader view of everything is. Exactly. Which is like the same with everything, but. And then we got like nominated for podcast of the year award. Um, it's fresh in my head. Um, so yeah, we've enjoyed some small victories yeah, we had our, our one live show, which I would love to do again uh, yes. know, when it's safe to do so. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'd love to do, you know, go to Toronto and do a show. Oh, that's a great idea. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I, I think some of the things that I've learned over the um, – the production and just the research that goes in. First of all, people need to know that a lot of fucking research goes into these episodes. Um, yeah, a lot. And it's, in- <laughs> and it's increased over time, right? Yeah. Like before it was just like, oh, you know, we're just reading the news. But now, and I think you've taken on a lot of this work is the like getting really into the historical context. And I think that's, you know, allowed you to build the platform you have because you've, you do the work and you're able to draw the connections between a bunch of different things. And that is stuff that a lot of people can't do. Um, whether it's like a pop culture reference or when you were on CTV last week and, were, you know, talking about, uh, what was it? 
1792 like the <laughs> no you you're right to be like what the fuck was that I, I couldn't i couldn't remember what act they were talking about i think um, it was uh the simcoe i don't know if it's I, I can't remember if it's the simcoe act if it's called yeah. but it's definitely um an act introduced by simcoe who uh to abolish slavery or was it to reduce the to deny the importation of slavery something like that and um yeah it just spun out of control because uh that was not the purpose of the talk and anytime you know white saviorism in this country means that whenever you don't want to talk about something you divert it to how good Canada was during slavery because it's Mm -hmm. a a so-called safe space yeah so here is some of that audio The relationship is space at the moment. And, you know, time heals all things. I feel really let down because he's been through something similar. He knows what pain feels like. Oprah, Prince Harry, Meghan Markle, racism thoughts of suicide, dysfunctional family, the radioactive interview leaves behind a trail of questions. You just heard Prince Harry talking about his brother and his father. Harry and Meghan spoke to Oprah Winfrey about everything from the intense media scrutiny of their relationship to the royal family. But the, the real bombshell was the allegations that there were racist comments about their son, Archie, and that uh, Meghan Markle felt suicidal and got no help. We are a constitutional monarchy in Canada, but the monarchy is now in crisis. Will this impact Canada's relationship to the crown? Let's have some perspectives now. David Only is the former Lieutenant Governor of Ontario. He teaches a course called The Crown, Parliament and the People at the University of Toronto in Scarborough. And Erica Eiffel is a columnist with The Hill Times. Great to have you both here. Um, Erica, I just want to start with you because there's lots of allegations. She didn't, Meghan Markle wasn't specific, um, but the allegations about racism, the allegations that she felt suicidal and mental health, that she had no, again, these are all allegations. We haven't heard from the palace, but what did you, what was your overall reaction to the interview and the fallout from it? I was surprised at how much she spilled. Um, I think that to many people of color, uh, the idea that they, you know, the, the royal family was worried about the skin tone of Archie is not that surprising on its own. I think the fact that she came out and said it was what was surprising. And, um, you know, I, I, I don't, I don't know how anybody could deny the racism of the monarchy. I mean, this is uh, an institution that birthed Canada, that birthed the United States, and and established a socioeconomic racial order that we're still fighting today. Yeah, this point has been made, David, only. And, and I, your reaction, I mean, there's a lot of gossipy reaction that that is there and, and i know for our program there's a political reaction as well but the 
what do you make of this after the situation with Julie Payette resigning as the governor general? Allegations of racism, allegations of the mental health. Uh, you, you know, this is serious stuff. Does this prompt Canada to re-examine its relationship to the crown? Well, inevitably it will. Uh, whether we should or not is another question. Um, you know, are we going to follow the, the lead, if you will, of British tabloids, which will just be all over this like, uh, like you won't believe over the next number of days? Uh, I would have um, appreciated hearing, and I think a lot of people would have appreciated hearing if there was a, a question about racism um, that it was raised, then say who it was. Um, because when she said towards the end of the interview that she got along famously with the Queen uh, and uh, enjoyed her time, and Harry said that he got along great with uh, Grandma, um, well, then who's left? Who, I mean, who literally are we talking about? Are we talking about members of the immediate family? Uh, or are we talking about the, um, the, the firm, quote-unquote? Are we talking about the, the group that... Um, runs the royal household. Uh, there's two separate uh, issues there. And that's, that's really the question going forward. The, the aspect of uh, suicide, uh, boy, it sure sounds, you know, like sad similarities to uh, Princess Diana. I, I mean, as you and I talked about on the day that Julia Payette was forced to resign, this is first and foremost sad. It's a very sad family situation. Uh, you know, we all have had difficulties in our families over the years, um, but they weren't splashed across the tabloids, those problems. And, you know, family members were not being interviewed by uh, Oprah or Evan, as a matter of fact, um, bringing it all to national attention. So this is, uh, it, it's terribly painful. May I just say something? Eric, uh, yeah, yeah, please, Erica, go ahead. And, and I really think, I, I think... I, I'd love also to hear you if it's time to re-examine the relationship with the monarchy. Well, yeah, I, I, I think that, you know, who said it is the least of the questions we should be asking. The question we should be asking going forward is what kind of society do we want to have? If we want to have a society that's equitable, then how can we have that and still have a constitutional monarchy as, 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 and a governor general as the head of state? Because those two things are incompatible when power passes through bloodlines, and those bloodlines are white and male. So do we want equity, diversity, diversity is our strength, or do we want to follow a tradition that is incompatible with the way we see ourselves? That's the question. Well, first all, so, so uh, okay, first of all, though, the bloodline no longer runs through the fathers. That's just to begin with. But secondly, at least in the province of Ontario, we need to take recognition of the fact that it was in this jurisdiction in 1792 that the first lieutenant governor, John Graves Simcoe, introduced the first legislation in the British Empire to first reduce and then eliminate slavery. It took place here in Ontario. Is the situation perfect? Far from it. Does racism still exist? Yes, it does. But in 1792, that monarchical structure of those days passed the first legislation to bring it to an end. And we have to remember that. That is part of our rich history. That is why the people from the southern United States with the Underground Railroad, that's why they moved to the north. They could have gone elsewhere, but they moved to Canada and specifically Where large parts they have of, gone? of Ontario. 
Sorry? Where could they have gone? You had, you had. That's um, the question. The question no, no, no but gone. you're the where one who brought up go. slavery. Where they so did go. I would like to know what was Canada's relationship with indigenous people at that time? Okay, now okay, you're what was Canada? No, no, no. I'm you brought up that. the past. Can't you brought up 1792. Sorry. I yeah. have a right okay, to go then ahead, Eric. expand it. Go ahead, Eric. I, I have a right to then say, okay, it, you know, you can't cherry pick history here. The point no, of the matter is, history. it is history because the point of the matter is that we have a socioeconomic structure that is entirely based on race. And to think that racism just happens, you know, magically in, in, in certain instances is wrong. And the other thing, too, is that I take what the, you know, the, what, what Megan said, which is, you know, I mean, the, the idea that, yes, we haven't even gotten to the British press, who have been racist in their, um, in their coverage of Meghan. But rudeness and racism aren't the same thing. So the idea that somehow um, Canada is absolved of, or, its, or its greatness is enhanced because in 1792 somebody put forward something is ridiculous. I mean, no, we live, it is history. ridiculous. No, I'm sorry. I well, then, you again, that. you are cherry-picking Canadian history. You are cherry-picking. It is not ridiculous to say that the first legislation in the British Empire to reduce and then end slavery took place here in Canada. That's and what not happened after said. that? That is a matter of historical record. Whether or not what, you what like happened after that? What was yeah, happening in Nova Scotia with people who were who were slaves and then had you know history and, have you taken? and their the right okay, of guys, recapture okay, was extended? Have, have you taken? Uh, listen, Don't cherry pick history. You taken? Okay, uh, listen. There, there's a long history. How much have you taken? A lot. And I I just political science. Like, as you can see, um, as you can hear, I literally got into an argument <laughs> on national television. People are still messaging me about that. I love and some, it. Somebody's like, you belong on CNN. And I didn't realize, <laughs> I don't know if that was a compliment or not. <laughs> uh, no, I think it's more just like, your talents are wasted on CTV. Bigger <laughs> <laughs> audience. Um, but no, but I think that, yeah, there is a lot of, like, research um, that goes into it. Um, but also, and I, the, part of the reason we did start the podcast is because we just consume so much news and information on such a broad array of topics, which is why, you know, we, we cover so many different things. Politics is our main focus, but, like, pop culture is right up there, text right up there. And like, those are things that you and I are both interested in. Yeah, yeah. Because I will say this, there are, there's a generational aspect here where right now, if you are of a certain, there are two, I think, main um, trends or, or just changes that have happened in the last, say, five or 10 years that, um, puts podcasts like ours and people like us who pay attention to these topics 
in really good stead in terms of knowledge and um, and the application of that knowledge. So mm. number one is tech and social media and digital. I don't believe that companies actually understand the social implications of what of the of what has happened in the last 15 years mm-hmm. with social media, with tech, with a lot of things. I just don't think they get it still. Yeah. So like and you know that because it's complex, like tech isn't the thing that's easy to 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 talk about and that sort of ignorance is what's weaponized against us when we start talking about it yeah i think that like tech like you said tech is complex but it's also deceiving whereas like anyone thinks that they know but they don't really yeah and i would say that tech and digital are kind of the driving force of the podcast, right? Like they underpin all of the things we're interested in, whether or not that is like Silicon Valley and startups Mm -hmm. or it's uh, media or politics or even sports, right? Like everything, the monoculture doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. Um, Good point. But but, um, there is, but there are like certain things in the zeitgeist as we'll talk about that feel like monoculture. Yeah. But aren't really because, you know, social media and online platforms have allowed the splintering of culture where everyone is now standing everything. And that's just the way everyone is. And it, it makes me deeply uncomfortable because I am just not a type of person who stands anything to the degree that most people do. Mm-hmm. Like I, I talk about my love for JLo and A-Rod, but like, I'm not standing them. Aren't they back together after 24 hours? They're working, things, they're working things out. And you know what? I respect that. Cause it's very real. It is very real, but I'm just like, you could have just left it for 24 hours. I don't, I don't, yeah. Out. I don't know what happened there. It's very messy. I'm, de- I'm, I'm just hoping, like, what is your PR doing? <laughs> I'm hoping Lainey Gossip has a big story on it. Cause she'll oh, like, yeah. be like, why the, what the fuck happened? Um, but, uh, yeah, I feel like <gasps> I knew that, that they would get back together. I knew they would get, get back together because JLo loves love and she, she does. Got, she got back together with her backup dancer Casper several times. So obviously there are her and a were going to get I back together. I forgot Casper even existed. Mm. <laughs> I just like, I get I, Anyway, whatever. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yes, I, I just think I just just like there's no monoculture there. There's no siloed politics anymore. Huh? So like politics is the reality show yeah. of our time. So like, how are you not going to bring in pop culture and stuff like that? Yeah. Politics policy is you know part of marketing these days and Uh political marketing Uh and so how are you not going to talk about this there's also a memification of politics that's happened and when I say that what I mean is like all of these um political um 
jockeying gets mm-hmm. into the like the meme culture and it's it, i feel like that's what in canada the conservatives really started doing yeah it's a very own the libs mentality and this own the libs mentality makes a mockery of politics and policies that actually have real consequences for people and especially people on the margins Mm -hmm. so we always try to like bring up the topics of people on the margins the second thing that really has shifted is social consciousness Mm -hmm. over racism misogyny homophobia islamophobia Mm -hmm. transphobia um ableism Mm -hmm. And it's interesting just seeing Bill C-7, I think, play Mm -hmm. out how much ableism there is in our society. And I feel like when um, that's one of the things that I've learned over time, that and Indigenous rights and transphobia, those are the three things that just open my eyes I was my eyes were open to just doing this podcast and mm-hmm. it it gave me an opportunity personally to interrogate my own anti-blackness Absolutely. or my own you know internalized cons- misogyny internalized misogyny especially mm-hmm. I think like I've worked on that a lot personally mm-hmm. and um I see things so differently now that I did four years ago Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that people think that I think I'm better than everyone else because in my day-to-day life, I'm just like, actually, that's ableist. Actually, that's misogynistic. Actually, uh, that's a little racist. Uh, Maybe you're, you know, upholding white supremacy a little bit and people get defensive. Mm -hmm. And I think it's important to point out that this knowledge and the and like work that I've done has been over the past four years and mm-hmm. you know we've said before to each other that we're going to continue making mistakes and that's part of a, like the growth process and the education process and the unlearning process but like I'm committed to doing it I'm committed to the interrogation of things I say and how they affect other people um and like it's not like they come from a place of malintent it's just like a lack of it's like and more than anything an ignorance mm-hmm. or 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 an, a being aware of what you're actually saying and uh, I am probably more guilty than many people and just I just like say whatever just comes out of my mouth yeah you know whatever comes out is what happens sometimes yeah. I think about it in advance sometimes I don't yeah especially when I get like riled up yeah yeah yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, this podcast has been just quite. It's been a lot of things. It's been a lot of things. And of course, positive, positive things. And so, yeah, I mean, here's to another hundred plus episodes mm. and interviews and all of that. So what do you want to see in the, like, what would you like to do? do with the podcast going forward like what kind of things do you want to introduce what kind of things do you want to change what kind of things do you want us to like do you think we should focus more on that kind of thing I love when we do interviews 
I love when you go off and do an interview and I get to listen to it for the first time. Um, I think that's really interesting because it's kind of like I'm listening to, like I'm listening to you, a friend, but to talk to someone who you thought would be interesting for whatever reason and who you respect. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's like, I'm listening to just like any other podcast, but I know you. Mm -hmm. So so it's, it's like a little bit of like a personal aspect of it. It's the same with like any other friend who has a podcast. Right. You know, when I listen to Elamine on his podcast and, and I, and I texted him like, why didn't you invite me onto this episode? <laughs> He's like, oh, sorry. Oh, um, by the way, I listened to Party Lines for the first time last that's week. nice for you. Yeah. It because Kathleen was on. Kathleen oh, yeah. Remang, oh, friend of the pod. Is it Pop Chat? Oops. Yeah, sorry, Party Lines is the one with Rosie. Oops. Pop Chat. <laughs> No wonder you were like, oh, nice for you. Yeah, mm-hmm. no, I get it. I get the whole thing now. Okay. <laughs> I got the vibe. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, it's pop chat. Oops. Was he on party lines? He's on both. Oh, okay, good. Pop mm-hmm. chat. And I thought, I was like, oh, okay, this is cool. Okay. Yeah. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. I I would love to hear Kathleen have her own like pop culture podcast. I, I would know. listen to that in a fucking heartbeat. Yeah. I think she is the best pop culture reporter in this country, personally. I'm I'm only saying that because um, she wrote something about Meghan and Harry, mm-hmm. which we'll get to. And it was, I, I just felt it in my soul. Mm. And it just hit all the right notes. Yeah. And just every time she's come on and talked about this, I'm just like, I feel this. I feel this. It's coming from a true place of knowledge and experience. And I feel as though I want more of that in our media. And she does not just black women though. Like I'm talking about, I want to hear personally how, you know, you know, anti-Asian violence and especially violence to elders. Like there's obviously some ageism there. And I want to hear about I want to hear the nuances about, you know, Asian families and Asian family constructs and how that works into how the violence is received. Mm. And I want to hear more of that. And I want to hear, like, I want to hear those nuances and those nuances can only come from a place of experience. And so I think that that's what our media should be moving sort of towards. Yeah, and I think that Kathleen just has a very real and honest way of writing. Yeah. You know, like her style is very nice. You know, I think it's hard because when you're at a mainstream outlet like the CBC or the Star or the Globe and Mail, they all have very specific styles for their outlet. Yeah. Um, Whereas like Refinery29 is a little bit more flexible. Yeah. And you can be a little bit more your put you a little bit more of yourself into it. Yeah, I would agree. Um, but I'll give you an, I- an idea of how, you know, the Canadian journalism thinks they're neutral. Um, they are not. Uh, let me just say, when I was in Encyclopedia Britannica, I was looking something up for this episode. Um they described the so it's about the Kenyan people. I think it's Mau Mau, and they 
described, they literally said the Mau Mau terrorists in the uh. in in Britannica, and this is supposed to be a quote unquote neutral source. Mm-hmm. At, whereas others call it an uprising or, mm-hmm. um, you know, counter-colonial or something like that. Mm-hmm. So even something as simple as that creates creates um, a bias. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, for 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 us, and I I was saying this when Canada Land um, got rid of was a comment. No, it wasn't Commons. It was. The, oh, the Justin Ling or Jennifer yeah, Shin, whatever. Yeah, that one. Is it comments? Anyway, no. whatever their political podcast was, what I said was it's very hard to do a quote-unquote neutral political podcast. I don't know if those exist because you're always going, depending on who's presenting it and who you invite to talk about it, I think what they did was they tried to kind of be quote unquote both sides and mm-hmm. present both sides of it but some issues the- actually don't have just two sides or there's this binary outlook to news which is counter to storytelling and I just find that so one of the things I said was that we always had a point of view mm-hmm. and the podcast point of view is very clear and I don't think it's something that people should run away from. Yeah. But so, then, yeah. So, so. I, uh, the podcast name came into my mind. It was Oppo. Oppo. Um, yeah. And I think the the premise was it was it was supposed to be like crossfire, um, whereas like you have your right wing and your left wing personality. But the problem was that their political view as divergent as you probably needed it to be to be more like quippy and aggressive but then again you're getting into that whole u.s cable news thing which isn't healthy for society because for i mean many reasons among which is your point that it doesn't tell a story and even I would would say that format would work in a case where you've got like the pod save America perspective, like you've got the democratic people, but then you bring in the Republican and then you talk about the policies where they differ and then unpack it further into strategy and like how that would turn into getting people, getting out the vote or whatever campaigning. And I think that would be a richer conversation. I don't necessarily think it's useful, but I think it would be interesting, more interesting than whatever, whatever oppo was. Yeah, I would agree that. And I'm not, as you know, a fan of Jen Gersh's take. So. <laughs> um, um, yeah. yeah I, I'm, really, I'm, I'm, I'm really looking forward to like thinking of who um, I can get to talk to us for, um, Asian History Month. Yeah, which is May. next. No, May. May. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Ooh, I would like to know that. <laughs> to be honest, that's awesome. Okay, yeah. so um, let's get into it. So, <laughs> so you know, we alluded to you know monoculture and how there's just like a lack of monoculture, but 
you know, this really felt like an event. Yeah, because 17.1 million people watched it. And by it, we mean Oprah's interview with Meghan and Harry, of course. Yeah, and, you know, this is one of the very few times in modern pop culture that literally everybody and their mother sat around Mm. to watch this at the same time. Mm. So it was a real cultural moment. I had to watch commercials. I know that's the only, that's the thing that was, you're like, Oh my gosh, commercials. I remember why I don't have cable, but now that I'm at my parents' house, they have cable. So I'm just like, Oh, commercial. I was literally like, Oh, right. Yeah. Because if I'm watching um, a reality show on my streamers, there's, you know, every so often one commercial that is just like promoing their other shows. But this was just like toothpaste and erectile dysfunction bullshit. And I was like, oh, wow. Huh. It's a real culture that I don't participate in. It's crazy. I just don't know what to say about but you had people watching it live. You had people tweeting about it. It was the only time people could watch it unless they watch it the next day. But then you're missing out on, on the event. Exactly. And I think um, it benefited from COVID, right? Because like oh, any yeah. other time, you know, people would be, would have PVR'd it, left it to the next day because yeah. they were out and about at dinner for drinks, out of date, blah, blah, blah. But everyone was just stuck in their houses. Yeah, because COVID has forced us in a way to be more um, like together mm-hmm. with us being apart, if you mm-hmm. know what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it, it and it was also the day before International Women's Day, which mm-hmm. I thought was <laughs> well, well, that was not overlooked. Okay. It was epic timing. Great so, job. Great job by Harpo. Studios, yeah, for sure. Uh, so from what I understand, Harpo recorded this. Mm-hmm. Um, they then edited it and mm-hmm. then sent it to CBS. And then yeah. CBS then licensed it to other areas. I mean, other places around the world, other media networks around the world. So ITV in Britain and et cetera, et cetera. Yes. But the way Harpo did it is that they were the ones. So because they're the ones that edited, edited it and cut it, CBS had to adjust all the timing of their commercials based on when Harpo determined where the breaks were. That's power. (laughs) Yeah. That is power. Yeah. That's what you get when you're Oprah. (laughs) Wow. Oprah. I know. Oprah don't play. Yeah. I'm like, I, I was like, wow. Oprah, Oprah reminds us why she's the master of interviews. <sighs> Oprah brought, um, and this is what I don't see in interviewing in Canada still, is th- the fact that you're one human talking to another. Mm-hmm. It's um, like Oprah removed the detachment of interviewing. Mm. from interviewing or the detachment from the person that she's interviewing like she well she did that her entire career yeah she always did that and I know people were talking about how great Oprah was and if and I was reading was it no oh 
you'll be happy. Show your work mm-hmm. was talking about Elaine was talking about um, how she's also channeling audience reactions. So she's mm-hmm. audience and interviewer. Mm-hmm. So those reactions like what, you yeah. know, uh, that's the audience. Mm-hmm. That's her channeling the audience. Mm-hmm. And therefore, it's not only the connection between her and the interviewee. It's also she has a connection and she maintains a connection with the audience by enunciating their supposed reaction. Yeah, because if you think about when you were watching it, at certain points when a bombshell would be dropped, your reaction was like, oh, yeah. And that's when there would be a pause or a what? Yeah. You know, and you're like, oh, yeah, Oprah feels the same way I do. She's just as shocked by this. Yeah, exactly. And again, that's what I don't see in interviews still. Like if you watch Mm. 60 Minutes, I know they try, Mm -hmm. but they're still a little bit too robotic to be believable in that sense Mm -hmm. and it's that it's that dispassion that has been like beaten into people at j school or something Mm. that really produces um sometimes just like interviews where you have to search for the empathy like you're not in in inviting empathy or any sort of connection with the with the audience and the interviewee. Whereas like Oprah is the vessel for that. Yeah, she's both the the expert and the audience. Right, exactly. Mm-hmm. So I think that's what's really, really fascinating about her interview style. Okay, yeah. let's hit it with the interview itself. So let's start with mental health. And I'm gonna start with mental health because um, I think that really frames a lot of the conversation and uh, the fact that if you ask, you know, all of these questions that people love to ask, like, why are you doing this? Why are you this? Part of healing from trauma, from PTSD, from whatever is, and it's obviously like she had a traumatic experience, right? Is actually speaking out Mm -hmm. and speaking to as many people as possible about it. Mm -hmm. So I know like from personal experience, that's really what, I mean, I, when I spoke out about my like treatment towards me in the public service, um, the next day felt like the first day of the rest of my life. Yeah. I understand what you're saying. It's like, I turned a page. I just didn't, I just didn't want to be alive anymore. And that was a very clear and real and frightening constant thought. And I remember, I remember how he just cradled me and I was, I went to the institution and I said that I needed to go somewhere to get help. And I was told that I couldn't, that it wouldn't be good for the institution. I share this because there's so many people who are afraid to voice that they need help. 
And I know personally how hard it is to not just voice it, but when you voice it, to be told no. But we had to go to this event, and I remember him saying, I don't think you can go. And I said, I can't be left alone. Because you were afraid of what you might do to yourself? And we went, and that... I'm so sorry to hear that. It's like you're comfortable enough saying this happened to me and confident enough in how it affected you and your comfort level with it, if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's a, like, it is a level of vulnerability, but it's also a level of confidence. Yeah. Yeah. So I just want to, I mean, I just want to commend her for saying that to, you know, I'm sure pretty much like a billion people have seen this interview by now. Um, mm -hmm. And to let people know that even somebody as like, was okay so was Meg megan a great actress no like she wasn't meryl streep she's not <laughs> viola davis like let's be real i mean suits is not really a didn't seem like a stretch like no, and like the show is never going to be nominated for an emmy so like it was exactly. entirely an entirely watchable show but mindless like yeah there weren't any secret undertones being told or no whatever and let's talk about the real star of that show, Gina Torres. Mm -hmm. So let's just say that, okay? Yeah. She was, she was a lot of the reason I watched that show. She, yeah. I started watching that show because of Gina Torres. Great I was like, oh style. my god, she's, oh, Ugh. oh, oh, her mm. whole persona was mm. amazing, like so good. Oh man. Anyway, um. And I think that's, I think the show's ratings plummeted because Gina Torres left and not Megan. I'm just going to put that out there. I just think she was a great draw. Um, mm. But whatever. I mean, it's an enjoyable show. It's on Netflix. Yeah, you know, watch it. It's fine. It's entertaining. It's fine. It's a, it's a great watch to have on the background. Yeah. What Megan's good at is PR, mm. I think. I think she is just really good at PR and in an American way. And so. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. 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 I would, so I would agree with that. Like she had her lifestyle brand before. Yeah. And then. Plus she was a spokesperson for the UN. Yeah. So yeah. like she has a lot of experience in the digital space and branding herself and selling herself. Right. And I didn't realize that she ran the Sussex Royal instagram page mm. yeah i guess yeah it was a good page i'm just yeah. saying yeah. <laughs> we all listen, loved it listen is she a little earnest for me yes does that make me a little yeah. uncomfortable yes does it make her a little unrelatable yes but she's good at what she does yeah and whatever her true character is that earnestness is something that she really does trade on absolutely it's yeah. gonna serve her very well yeah uh, being the sort of beautiful girl next door kind of thing. That's her thing. Life's so hard for her. I know. Well, now it is. <laughs> so moving on, like, so back to mental, the, mental health. Um, she, I mean, I think the suicidal ideation, I, while pregnant, 
mm. was, uh, of course, you know, reminiscent of Diana, who <laughs> threw herself down the stairs when she was pregnant with, was it Harry or William? I can't remember. It must was, have been Harry. I want to say it was Harry. Um, and the desperation one must feel being that isolated and that marginalized when like literally a couple years before you were a confident Mm -hmm. um vivacious um successful woman and Mm -hmm. you gave up all of that independent even and independent and married uh this guy and then all of a sudden this guy and then all of a sudden (laughs) your your life isn't your own Mm -hmm. Um, and they're, they're slowly but surely breaking down your entire existence. Yeah. It, it, it was a very isolating and dehumanizing experience. It seemed like, Yeah, you know, like they, the taking away of her, all of her IDs basically killed me. I couldn't believe that. Just like basically erasing her from existence. That's what Mm -hmm. happened. Yeah. Like they kept her isolated she had no couldn't say who she was it was like she was being held prisoner yeah yeah i made the comment that human traffickers do that mm. i mean that's what happened in scandal you know oh yeah <laughs> olivia pope you know when she was being held hostage <laughs> that okay <laughs> <laughs> point we're gonna have to we're gonna have to talk about how scandal just didn't age that well no <laughs> and it, it 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 literally aged like prince william's hairline i mean it was just <laughs> it just didn't work after oh like the God. year after it ended we we're like oh <laughs> it like it like out aged itself as it was still on yeah <laughs> like which is quite something <laughs> i wonder how much how to get away with murder had to do with that mm. anyway mm. that's another discussion for another mm. day mm. Mm. but yeah but yeah so, like it was they were abusive towards her right yeah like, yeah they were and i don't think that that I don't think that that can be um, negated. And for all those out there who are like, yeah, but she has money and she has fame. And oh, you mean I'm... Bethany Frankel? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I'm so glad she got dragged because mm. she's got a lot of nerve. Mm-hmm. She's like, well, we shouldn't feel sorry for this rich woman. And we're like, isn't your whole like appearance on the real housewives of new york you whining and crying and wanting people to feel sorry for you mm-hmm. you know i mm-hmm. being a white woman <laughs> well it's exactly like you say it's a weaponizing of white tears yeah so it just goes to show that only white women are allowed to be vulnerable okay. well i mean that actually was kind of the case during the interview itself you know because um, polling, I think, in the UK has shown that Meghan and Harry's favorability has dropped. One, two, um, this DJ, radio DJ I follow, who I used to really like his show when I was growing up in Vancouver, who now lives in Calgary. Um, he was tweeting during the interview, was just like, "Oh, like Meghan's so unrelatable." I'm hashtag Team Liz, which like 
dude, those tweets don't age well at all. Like people don't understand that like, well, one, she wasn't that good of an actress that like that to the point where she would have been able to pull off a performance of this quality. Um, but two, like some people, like, I don't know it's some people are just earnest. Like, sorry that we Is live this on a the, white guy. Yeah. Sorry. We live okay. on the internet and we're all jaded assholes, but like other people don't. And they're actually earnest and have are like, want to do and, good in the world and, and and what right do you have to critique how somebody ex- exposing their mental health I, how I that know. comes off and what right do you have as a white man to criticize a black woman's experience in a mm-hmm. white institution like that's yeah. the other thing yeah like, i mean it's there, like don't take it's liberties. a layer it's me- very a lot of layers there you yeah know? gaslighting it's white supremacists it's yeah it's misogyny it's misogynoir it's Mm -hmm. also colonialism oh yes so funny um so i think this is interesting this part um that william and kate have actually campaigned on the issue of mental health for years Mm -hmm. encouraging people to speak up to get the help when they needed and along with harry they started this initiative called heads together mm-hmm. a terrible name which aims to tackle the stigma and funds various programs related to mental health in schools in the workplace and i'm just like so what are you doing in your workplace okay yeah. because you can't say the firm is a family and yet is a business and not call yourself you have an hr for I didn't even know the palace had an HR department. But I mean, it makes sense. I was just like... I bet they're not unionized. (laughs) (laughs) You know, and um, how in 2019, William, Kate, Harry, and Meghan, when they were known as the... Was it the Fabulous Four? Four. The Fab Four. Collaborated to launch Shout, a UK-based 24-hour crisis helpline. Um, so I, 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 you know, this, there's another layer to it is that now they look like hypocrites mm-hmm. to some people. I also want to note the reception of her mental health in America, and I will include Canada versus the UK. Mm. And we saw the UK version of the reaction through Piers Morgan, who Mm -hmm. uh, left ITV after he went on this stupid ass rant and he literally got called out by his um, co-worker, um, Alex, I think Alex Berez. Anyway, I know somebody will find, like, I forgot his name, but, um, and brought up the point that, Piers Morgan, one of the reasons that he's going so hard in on Megan is because Megan ghosted him. And I understand that you don't like Megan Markle. You've made it so clear a number of times on this program, a number of times. And I understand that you've got a personal relationship with Megan Markle or had one and she cut you off. She's entitled to cut you off if she wants to. Has she said anything about you since she cut you off? I don't think she has, but yet you continue to trash her. OK, I'm done with this. No, no, no. Sorry. No. Oh, Sorry. Do you know what? That's pathetic. You can trash me, maybe not my no, own. No, no, no. I'm, See you later. I'm being... 
Sorry, can't this do this. This is absolutely diabolical behaviour. You see... I'm sorry, but Pierce spouts off on a regular basis and we all have to sit there and listen. 6.30 to 7 o'clock yesterday was incredibly hard to watch. You know, ha apparently she had a drink with him one night. They used to chat online through DM, uh -huh. okay? So the man didn't even have her phone number. Dude. Uh -huh. That's not a thing. Okay. Yeah. You had nothing. If you don't have the person's phone number, I would question your relationship to yes. this person. Totally. Okay. So, so apparently they had a drink or whatever. And then he's like, I put her in a cab. I have that. I have a problem with that kind of, of framing. I mm. put her in a cab rather than she, she then left and took a cab. Like, mm. Don't print. Don't try to print charming your way out of your misogyny. Sure, okay? sure, sure. And then apparently the same night she met Harry, and then they started dating and so on and so forth. And we know the rest of that. So I thought, did she and Harry not meet in Toronto? No. And so you know, I think what is so disturbing about this whole Piers Morgan thing. Um, is when women say no. <laughs> wow. I mean, yes. That was a long sigh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't want to digress too too much. It too much on this. No, you but, can uh, digress because I know what you're. I think I know what you're thinking. I shouldn't say I know, but I think I know. No, I just think that like. Because you you have like experience with a friend of yours who rest in peace is no longer here. Yeah, yeah, like a, a girl that I went to high school with and was, you know, she was very good friends with some of my friends from high school, and you know, she was she was murdered by a guy that she had previous was you know in a on and on on again off again relationship with over several years, and like in reading about what happened in the case, like he had assaulted her before, like he had pushed her and like left her with bruises. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, when she finally like broke up with him, they like went to talk one night and then he fucking killed her. Yeah. And like he found out she was dating <laughs> somebody else. Right. But she was, she had also called off, like broke up with the other guy. Okay. So she was like, Anyway, so basically, and like major, major trigger warning. So maybe like skip ahead 30 seconds. Mm -hmm. um, but like they were driving and at one point he stabbed her. He had two knives in the vehicle, stabbed her 47 times. Wow. And then f fucking filmed it. <gasps> filmed her after fucking bleeding out in his car, berated her, said that she had dishonored him, that, you know, this was all her fault and all, you know, all she did was dishonor him and take and take and take from him and all of this shit. And she's like struggling to breathe and she's telling him that she loves him because she has to at this point, whether or not it's true. This is so while she she's bleeding out. 
Yes. Oh my gosh. And then he fucking it goes to his house, leaves her in the car for two bleeding hours. Bleeding out. Bleeding out. He goes yeah. to his house for two hours and does some online shopping and buys a fucking dishwasher. <gasps> oh yeah. And then drives her to his brother's house. He's like, oh, I did this thing. And his brother's like, I'm gonna call the cops. <laughs> Okay, suffice it to say that he's in prison now. <laughs> yeah, he, he did plead guilty to second degree murder and uh, we're awaiting this, you know. Oh, you're waiting, pro- or it's awaiting sentencing. Well, no, he's, it's a mandatory life, but it's yeah. now about parole eligibility. Okay. Um, but uh, yeah. Wow. Well, there you go. And that's, <gasps> I, I find that that's what made Piers Morgan so dangerous. Yeah. Is, is that attitude and, and just bashing her for four fucking years oh yeah no sorry yeah four years maybe five meanwhile megan has nothing to say she doesn't even say a bad thing about him yeah because if she does that just fuels the fire yeah exactly exactly and so um as a result of his you know abhorrent he he literally said uh about her saying that she had mental health issues he basically said i don't believe her i don't believe a word that comes out of her mouth and then itv has you know who employs him on great um good morning britain Mm -hmm. um basically uh had a discussion with him after hearing from some of their mental health stakeholders because ITV has a mental health campaign with these stakeholders. Mm-hmm. And um, if you go to mind at mind charity, uh, they have a public um, statement just saying basically, um, you know, what are you doing peers? And, mm-hmm. you know, we don't accept your you know what you said is dangerous and harmful Mm -hmm. and that they're talking to itv behind the scenes the next day tuesday um piers morgan walked off the set when challenged by a man yeah i just want to put it that way that he was challenged by a man um because he treats women like trash he talks over them all the time interrupts Mm -hmm. them doesn't want to hear what they say. Thank you, Dr. Shonas. Shosa. I'm going to fuck up. I fucked up. Okay. <laughs> so um, <laughs> I can't remember everything. Okay. <laughs> do you want me to pull it up for you? Please do. Because I'm going to cut what is that this? part. Is this where are they from? Dr. Show. The one who dragged Piers. Shola. <laughs> Wow. Oh, yeah. So Shola, thank- Ma- yeah, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. So thank you, thank you, Dr. Shola, for dragging peers for filth. Um, you know, if there's one hero of Britain in this whole entire episode, it is her. And mm-hmm. uh, so thank you. But basically, ITV wanted him to apologize. He refused and then walked out. <laughs> Which. I mean, talk about... I mean, he'll be on Fox soon, so it'll be fine. 
Well, and this is the thing. And like, I, again, I don't want to digress too much, but you know, there, we really need to re-examine the role, like what it means to be masculine. Right. Yeah. And you know, there are a lot of books, there's a lot of nonprofits who are trying to like help redefine this, educate young men and boys, but we also have to look at the people we know and those who don't call their friends out because they're complicit in all of this. Yeah, and just like Sharon Osbourne, the uh, racist that she is, she's a racist. Mm. Um, uh, Like Sharon Osbourne went on the, I've never watched the talk. And then I saw, I literally tuned in because Elaine Wentroth is on it now Mm. from Teen Vogue. And and uh, Cheryl Underwood and um, I was just who is a dark skinned black woman. Uh, so Sharon Osbourne, literally the way she treated Cheryl Underwood. Um, and the things she said, like, you you shouldn't be the one crying. I should be the one crying. And I was just like, Wow. She really spewed some filth. I am. I. I feel even mm-hmm. like uh, I'm about to be put in the electric chair because I have a friend who many people think is a racist. So that makes me a racist. And for me, at 68 years of age, to have to turn around and say I ain't racist. Right. What's well, it got I... to do with me? Okay. Well... How can I be racist about anybody? How can I be racist about anybody or anything in my life? How can I? Well, 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 well what? I will me. ask you again, Cheryl. Yes. I've been asking you during the break. Right. I am asking you again. And don't try and cry, because if anyone should be crying, it should be me. This is the situation. Yes. You tell me where you have heard him say, educate me, tell me when you have heard him say, racist things educate me tell me i can't believe it's taken us this long to recognize the trash that is sharon osborne like how have we allowed her to exist in our public consciousness i mean i mean holly robinson pete had wow wow what a name i haven't heard that name in a very long time uh, of hanging with Mr. Cooper fame. Mm-hmm. What a great show. That was a great show in the 90s. I loved it. I loved it. I loved it. Anyway, she put it on a streamer. Somebody needs to put that out there. Come on, Netflix. Okay. So she went, so she was on the talk in its early years. There was an Asian woman on there too, and I forgot her name. Um I can't remember. And then Sarah Gil, Sarah, no, Melissa Gilbert mm-hmm. from um, Roseanne, Roseanne and the Connors was on it. And I didn't pay attention because I don't pay attention to those shows a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and somehow they all disappeared. Mm-hmm. Right. Come to find out Holly Robinson Pete basically said that Sharon Osbourne thought she was too quote unquote ghetto for the show. Mm hmm. And had her fired. Yikes. Okay. And I was just like, okay, first of all, I was like, now this one interview is producing some tea. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Right? Things that we didn't even realize. But the whole point is Sharon Osborne uh, defended Piers Morgan, said he wasn't a racist because Lord knows if there's anybody who could tell racism, it's Sharon Osborne mm-hmm. being the perpetrator of it in so many instances, I suppose. Um, so, yeah, I mean, uh, now share. Oh, now this is a whole saga because Sharon now released a, a an email saying that she didn't do what Holly said that she did. But oh, listen God. to yeah. So I'm not going to get into that. But listen to Holly's tweet. I'm old enough to remember when Sharon complained that I was too ghetto for the talk. Then I was gone. I bring this up now because I was mortified watching the disrespectful, condescending tone she took with her co-host, who remained calm and respectful because she had to. Mm. Um, I'm not a fan of... Um, I'm not a fan of placating white feelings in general. <laughs> Kel surprise. <laughs> like... Because they need to be told, mm. first of all, that their shit is bullshit and um, nobody's here for their bullshit. Maybe they're here for their bullshit and other white people, but I know I'm not. Uh, but that's me. I get it. I get that. I'm just tired of seeing the way Elaine and Cheryl danced around trying to pr- placate Sharon Osborne's feelings mm-hmm. was a problem for me. I'm just going to say that. Okay, yeah. good. So that's that. So that's that arm of the mental health part. Mm-hmm. And as somebody, Sharon, who has expressed her mental health struggles, you'd think that she would have some empathy for Megan? Nope. 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 Yeah. The Osbournes are trash. That is the point. And so is yeah. Piers, and they all belong together. Okay. <laughs> all right. Bad and bullshit.